Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, here's what it says. Jesus tells us that those who are spiritually hungry will be fed. They will be fed. And he tells us, in fact, it's one of those eight keys to being blessed by God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Isn't that a tremendous promise? That you will be filled. Let me share something with you that's very important today. Have you ever walked in the middle of the night, you woke up and you were hungry, and you went to the refrigerator and you opened it up, and you looked at it, and you couldn't figure out what you're hungry for. Now, I remember a day where uh, there was a, uh, the refrigerator, uh, the freezer was on the top up here. Anybody remember that? And then it was side by side became the thing. The refrigerator on this side and the freezer on the left. And now... We have the freezer on the bottom and the refrigerator on top. And some of you are like, I'm dying to get one of those. Well, my question is, why? Why? It's all refrigeration and freezer, right? And I know, you know, people, you know, styles change. But you go open the refrigerator and you've stood there and you're like, what am I hungry for? I don't know. I'm hungry, but I don't know what I'm hungry for. And you go to the pantry because that didn't work. And you go to the pantry and you open it up and you look in the pantry or you look in the shelves, you know, where you keep the other stuff. And you look in there and you still can't figure out what you're hungry for. I believe that is a tremendous illustration of our culture today. They're hungry. They're spiritually hungry, but they keep feeding themselves the wrong thing. And I want to talk to you about how do we in the church... Those of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, how do you stay hungry for God? The Bible says that if you stay hungry for God, what was the promise? What did he say to do besides you'll be happy, congratulated, or you're blessed, right? I mean, when God talks like that, I want to I adopt that attitude so that I am happy, congratulated, and blessed. Don't you? I want to live like that. So these eight attitudes that give us personal happiness that can cause us to live a life that's to be congratulated or to be simply just blessed, as it's interpreted. He says, for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they, they will be, what? Filled. That's the people that are going to live a life that is satisfactory, that's going to be fulfilling, that their tank is going to be more full than empty. And it's so important we understand that and we put that into our spirit and live our lives by that. I want you to think with me because medically they tell us that the loss of an appetite is a symptom of sickness, isn't it? Sometimes we can be emotionally drained or sick or just upset and we don't feel like eating or some of us do the opposite. You eat more when you are stressed, right? Uh, Kim and I tend to be the other. I know it doesn't show on me. It shows on her. But we tend not to eat when we're really under a lot of stress. We tend not to do that. But I, I hear people all the time tell me, say, I'm eating like crazy because I'm stressed. And I'm, I'm like, I can't relate, but I hear you. And uh, I, know what, I know what you're talking about. But listen, when you have a fever, headache, congestion, sore throat, upset, cramping, aches, pain, symptoms of illness, it's very typical you don't feel like eating right then. That's typical. 
I want to share with you what the Bible tells us is how can we stay hungry for God. It's a challenge, and there's times in your life, any of us, that you might have a time of spiritual dryness, or you may have a time that you're not longing and hungering for God like you should. And you know you're not. Well, I want to tell you how to work on reviving that if that's where you are. I also want to tell you that if you are hungry for God, stay hungry for God, and I want to tell you how you can do that. So let me share with you a couple of things that are think, I think are really, 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 really important. Stay aware of how much God loves you. I have a pastor friend that told me that one of his people that uh, became he's pretty much a new convert, but he'd been a Christian for about two years, came to him and said, Pastor, I don't really feel close to God, but here's the real problem, Pastor. I don't feel like I want to get close to God. And the pastor said something really wise. He's a buddy of mine. He said, I'll tell you what I did. I told him, I told him, and it's really worked for him. I told him, why don't you spend some time in the Word of God, contemplating and thinking about the love of God, and if you don't have revival, something's wrong with, with you beyond that. If you don't have revival, you don't hunger and thirst for God again, so he started reading passages, and he started listening to music. A lot of it was stuff the pastor had given him, and it really helped him get to a place about that. I want to share with you, listen, listen to this passage. It's in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, and listen to the language here. He says, I pray, and he's talking to the Ephesians first, the original letter that it went to those believers, those believers, believers in Ephesus back in the first century, but now it's to all of us. And it has been for 20, 20, going on 21 centuries now, hasn't it? And it's an incredible truth. Listen to this. And now Paul says, because it's God's word, he says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. Isn't it something that that is what calls us and propels us to great response is the love of Christ, the love of God causes you to do things. Now I want to give you an illustration real quick. When I fell in love, or I stepped up in love, I should say, because you're, it's not a step down, is it? We say, oh, I fell in love. And when I... When I stepped up into love with Kim and Jude, things changed. I wanted to spend hours with her. I drove her parents crazy. And I was the youth pastor at our church. I was, I was Austin. You got to use your imagination a little bit, but I was a youth pastor. And I was the youth pastor then. And we were dating and man, I mean, I just, I was googly-eyed, you know, we'd take her eyes out, and I'd roll mine at her, and then she'd pick hers, and take them, and roll them back at me. We, we were in love. And I've told you about the first time she ever told me she loved me, right? I've told you that. Yes, I did. I told you. I know I did. But here it is again, because it's a, it's a, I, I'm already, I know that I love her. I know she's the one. I know I, the, the Lord's just shown me she's it. And I, that night I was going to tell her, I love you. That's what I was going to do that night. I did. So we finished our date. 
And, you know, I was hoping to get a little kiss before she went in. And I said, I got, I got something to tell you. She said, yeah, yeah, what, what do you got to tell me? I said, I got to tell you something. Here it is. I love you. And she looked at me, and those dimples showed. And she grinned, and she started backing up through the door. She didn't say anything. She started backing up just slowly and grinning at me real big and opens the door and starts sliding the door. And I'm like, I I bore my soul. And and I remember her looking at me and she starts to shut the inside door. There's a screen door and then there's the inside door. And she's starting to shut. I'm still standing there like, what? Man, she left me hanging. She doesn't love me back. And then the door came open about five seconds later, both doors, and she stuck her head out, and she said, you know what you said? I said, yes, yes. She said, it's mutual. And I ran off the side. She had a they had a chain link fence. I just jumped over top of that. You have to use your imagination for that. Remember, I was young. I was a youth pastor then. I just jumped. I'm kind of skipping down the street. I'm going. She loves me. She loves me. She loves me. And then it dawned on me. She said, "It's mutual." And I started thinking, "What does that mean? Is that love? What is that?" Well, I figured out after. A while and later I did get her to say I love you that's what I meant but you know anyway she was just that's the way she said it that time I I spent so much time with her I drove her parents crazy we were on the phone all the time her dad used to make up an excuse because see we didn't have cell phones back then we had landlines that you had to dial two three and uh it was it was it was weird that's where we were, and we had one phone in the house. That's it. There wasn't multiple, and we were on the phone for one hour, two hours, three hours, so her dad would just make up something and say, I need the phone. I need to call somebody to get us off the phone, and uh, anyway, they were, they were glad when we got married because they're like, please, please go. We need rest again. Take her and go. No, they didn't do that, but I almost thought it was like a, sub condition they had they're like yes we all need rest from your all's dating and your love so anyway listen when you're in love with somebody it highly impacts your life doesn't it it changes you you want to spend time with them you do want to do that when you love the lord it's the same way isn't it you want to spend time with them in incredible ways peter remember when jesus restored him after he had sinned and he he had 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 even cursed the last time he denied Christ. He cursed and said he didn't even know the man and uh, started cussing. The Bible says in John 21, verse 16, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep, gives him an assignment. Now, here's what's interesting. If you look at that text in the Greek language, the first time, God asked him, Jesus asked him, do you agape me? And Peter's answer back was, 
that's godlike love, agape. And his answer back was, Lord, you know I phileo you. I love you like a brother. And then Jesus, the next time I ask him, do you phileo me? And Jesus says, Peter said, you know I phileo you. I love you like a brother. See, here's what's so cool about God. God will meet you where you are, not the standard he's got, not the place he's going to take you and elevate you to. He'll meet you where you are and take you there and then elevate you to the place that you should be. And that's what that lesson teaches us in John 21. He'll restore you even at a lower level than what he wants you to be restored and where he's going to call you. And he gave him a sign. He said, Bushke me probate. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. He gives him an assignment with that. Isn't that amazing? Second of all, check this out. You need to stay away from junk food if you're going to hunger for God. Stay away from junk food. Now, this is not the dietary portion of this message, but in a way, spiritually, it is. Stay away from the junk food. Our culture is eating all kinds of spiritual junk food because they think it'll fill them up. They think if they climb the career ladder, they think if they have sex with enough people, they think if they serve the God of pleasure and get drunk and, and, and do drugs and whatnot, that if they party, in, party enough, they'll get high enough, that that's going to satisfy them. We could talk about sports. We could talk about academic achievements. We could talk about everything under the sun to do. And I want to tell you something. Whatever it is, it's going to fall short of what really is going on. Listen to what Rick Warren wrote in his book, The Purpose Driven Life. He wrote this. You, have a, you are a spiritual being with a God-shaped hole in, your, in you, and only God can fill that hole in your heart. When you try to fill it with salary or status or success or sex or passion or possession, possessions or position or power or prestige or anything else other than God, it's just not going to be fulfilling. Did you hear that? It's just not going to be fulfilling. See, there's a hole in every one of us. Every one of us. Just like Ecclesiastes tells us that there is this longing to reconnect with God. God has put a longing in all of our hearts that we will reconnect with him. And it's just so important we understand that we can't fill that up with junk food. It has to be real spiritual food for it to work. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 14 says, The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. There's another translation that says it this way, A wise person is hungry for truth, why fools feed on trash. Have you noticed the world just keeps gobbling up everything? Everything. I mean, all you had to do is watch the news this week, and man, I mean, you know, we're watching this, this case with the judge and with uh, the lady that made the, the accusation against him, and now the FBI is investigating. And it's, it's a crazy thing to watch all this and then to think about somebody being in high school. I mean, do we really want to go back to all of our high schools? I can tell you what, you go back to before I was a sophomore in high school when I accepted Jesus Christ, I would be disqualified as a pastor because I was serving the God of pleasure. I just think we've got to be very careful what we do with underage people and what they're doing. Youthful sins are just that. They're youthful sins, 
And that's not justification for anything. If she had something happen to him, that's hor- horrible, isn't it? And it's horrible if he did something like that. But here's the bottom line. Jesus Christ changed my life, my freshman going into my sophomore year, and there are lots of things in my life that I would be disqualified from what I'm doing if Jesus Christ didn't come in and save me and make me new. Amen? I mean, do you want to be judged on high school? I I think we're on real, real dangerous ground here 36 years ago. I mean, I... If we're going to hold all people to those standards about being elevated to anything, I think we're on really dangerous ground. Now, that is not me meddling in politics. I just think we need to really think through that. And if he did something, that's horrible. So, um, anyway, that's my two cents. (laughs) Take it or leave it, okay? It's not, uh, I just think we really have to be careful with that. Check this out. Listen to this scripture passage. In Isaiah chapter 55, and it's a passage that has so much prophecy about Jesus, it says this, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy, eat, come, buy and wine and milk without money and without cost. Why uh, spend money on what, you're, what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? Listen to me. Eat what is good, and your soul will be delighted in the richest affairs. Isn't that an awesome statement? Sure is, isn't it? In China years ago, it was affected greatly there by what happened here during the time of the Great Depression. In Australia, same thing. In Australia, they had spores that they were putting in pots and cooking because they just there wasn't any money, there wasn't any food, there wasn't any animals uh, uh, you know, people were just poor like they were here in the States during the Depression. And they fixed these spores and they would cut them up and eat them. But here's what they found out. These spores had no nutritional value. Even though they were all over Australia, people would eat them and there would not be any satisfaction because there was no nutrition. And they said it didn't taste that good anyway. Uh, what's happened there has happened many times. I don't know if you've ever fed... Uh, did anybody have parents or grandparents that told you the story? Listen, I went to bed hungry, and my parents told me, drink some water. Have you heard that one? Yeah, I'm seeing hands come up now. Yeah, drink some water. You'll be fine. We'll feed you tomorrow, right? Well, hey, things were tough, weren't they? And uh, people have filled up on water and so forth, and that is good for your body, but there's not great nutrition value in that. Number three, stick to what you know and growing in God's word and make that the top priority for your life. Listen to this truth from God's scripture. We need to make that the top priority. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says this, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Have you not found that out to be true? And some of us are more given to worry than others. But each day has enough trouble all by itself. You have enough issues, enough problems. That's enough right there, isn't it? You don't have to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's coming. If the Lord tarries and you live, tomorrow's coming, and that day will bring enough issues and problems and stuff itself. And that worry thing just is like a rocking chair. It gives you an activity, but you don't go anywhere, do you? 
it's just kind of a worthless activity for your brain. You're, you're rocking, but nothing happens. You might burn a few calories, right, if you put your feet down there and move them a little bit. Listen to this. The scriptures tell us in Matthew chapter 6 what he was talking about back in chapter 6. When the Lord tells us back earlier in that chapter, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What will you eat or drink or about your body or what will you wear? Is not life more important than food, the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store in the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to their life? Listen to Psalm 63 and listen to the advice that the psalmist gives us that tells us how to hunger for the Lord. Listen to this. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land. Where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Is that not a tremendous passage and a call that that's how you get through stuff? You focus on the Lord. You lift him up. You make him what you are hungering and thirsting for in this life. And what's the promise of our passage today? And he will satisfy you. You can live a life that will be satisfactory. Don't buy the lie out there that you've got to do all these things and accomplish all these things in life. Make sure you hunger and thirst for righteousness more than anything. And the Bible says you will be filled. You will be filled. Let me share with you one last thing, and that's this. Study God's Word every day. Study God's Word every day. Why do I tell you that? Because if you listen to me and then you go till Thursday, Friday, and you haven't been in the Word, you haven't listened to Christian music, you haven't listened, you haven't read the Scriptures, you haven't gotten into hearing somebody else preach during the week, you're going to be suffering from malnutrition spiritually. You will. How do I know that? Because you need the Lord every day. Why does the Bible say His mercies are new every what? Every morning. You need refreshment. You need correction in thought. Does your mind ever drift? Am I the only one that my mind drifts from God? Does your mind ever drift from the Lord and you need to be realigned back to the proper perspective, proper alignment? God's in charge. He's large and in charge. Why am I worrying about this? You, anybody else in here admit that you, you need to do that? Sure you need that, right? Listen to this statement about the word. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus says, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That was his food. 1 Peter chapter 2, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen? Oh, that is, I just want to jump up and down when I hear that passage. He's good. Oh, he's good to me this morning. And he's good to me right now as we're getting close to noon. I'm going to go hang out with the people that are going to check out the church and thinking about joining 
some of them, some of them this is just an exploration. We're going to have a good meal together. I'm going to get to talk to some brothers and sisters. I'm getting ready to have a good, good time. I'm having a good, good time right now. I am. I love preaching God's truth to you. I, I mean, I love doing that. Listen to this. All Scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is God. In the Greek, it's the exhaling of God's breath. His exhaling, Him breathing out to you. And listen to what it is. It says that it's, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God and the woman of God may be what? Thoroughly equipped to every good work. Isn't that amazing? Prioritize God's Word. Memorize God's Word. Read God's Word. Listen. Listen to other preachers during the week. I would prefer that they're Baptistic in theology, that they're congregational, but, you know, there are some preachers you can listen to I don't want you to listen to. I'll just be honest because I think they may lead you astray. You know, the Bible says that we can be deceived at times. Listen to good Bible preaching, teaching during the week. It's a wonderful thing. You know I do that every week? One of the things I do every week is I listen to myself. Let me explain. I don't do it because I'm in love with Barry Jude preaching. I do it because of the opposite of that. Because I have a tendency as a speaker to 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 go to bad habits. Like I'll use the same transition several weeks in a row. I'll use I'll say the same way. I'll close a message the same way. I'll introduce it the same way. That's not you you're a person that needs variety. I need to say things differently and in different ways and not do the same thing. So I do that as a discipline. But then I also listen to some some other folks. There's some people right here in Dallas I love to listen to. They're on the radio. They were on on the radio where I live too. I Love Tony Evans. Love him. I appreciate that brother. I do. I like the way he says things and the way he shares God's word. I love it. I, I appreciate uh, Dr. Jeffers down at First Dallas. I appreciate him. I like, I still like Chuck Swindoll. I know he's 104, but I like to listen to him. He's just a good, he, you know, used to be he was Pastor Fun. And there are a number of people I enjoy listening. I think you figured out that I love Rick Warren. I think you figured out that I like Rick Warren. You hear me quote him a lot, don't you? I think you know that I listen to, I need that too. Why? Because I need to be preached to. I need to be under the word. I need to have time where I'm just taking in, like you are right now. Because it's not the same when you're preaching it. It's a little different. Listen, it's just so important. Read, study, memorize, quote God's Word every day. And listen to people that are faithful preachers of the Word of God during the week. Listen to Christian music. It's so helpful that we have those tools. And now we got it in satellite, right? Now they got it where you can kind of form the kind of music you like, and they can put the songs in there and kind of match up and and help you with that. Listen to this. I want to say something, and I want to close with this. You see, appetite is influenced by association. Appetite is influenced by association. Let me prove my point. 
You remember the days when malls were kind of the common thing? Now we have the outlet mall and you walk outside and you have these places where they're building and it's more like a town now and you park in the garage or you park on the streets and go right to the store you want. And that's becoming more and more like, like, like the Highlands over at Arlington or our outlet mall. But do you remember walking in the mall in days gone by and you walked in by the American Cookie Company? You didn't have cookies on your mind. You didn't want a cookie. And God forbid you walk by Cinnabon. You with me? You walk in and there's that aroma. You know, I'm not even a big fan of cinnamon, but man, that smells good, doesn't it? And you, and you know, maybe you just ate a meal and you, you smell that. And when I talk about appetite by association, what's the appetite... What's the association there? What are they appealing to? And they're really good at it. Because you might buy a Cinnabon and you don't even want one. You just had dinner. Maybe you ate a dessert. And you go to the American Cookie Company and you buy cookies. And you get all the kind of cookies they had, right? Or you do that thing where you buy one of those big giant cookies, right? The cake cookie. Am I just talking to myself, or do you, you, you suffer with this thing too? I don't, some of you don't like sweets, and your thing is, man, I'm driving down the road, and I smell barbecue, and my car just pulls in the parking lot, right? You, you follow me? You see, that is appetite by what? Some type of association. The association there is what? They realize that, a, that smell is very powerful. It's a great advertiser, isn't it? And they, there they are in that open air. I mean, it's a contained setting, but these, you smell all that, and you want some. Do you know what? If you hang out with people that are not walking with the Lord, your appetite will suffer spiritually the same way because your association is elsewhere. Young people, please hear this. This is so important for you right now college student hear this hear this those of us who are adults because this is still affected by our television shows and movie choices and all the rest appetite by association you follow what I'm talking about who you hang with and where you go that's going to be that's why the word of God loving God focusing on God's love not eating the junk food that's out here that's all the choices but spiritual food. You follow me? And Jesus tells us that we need to be salt and light. And he said this about salt. If salt loses its saltiness, what happens to it? It's good for nothing except to be trampled underfoot. I want you to think about this application a little different today. God's called us to be salt and light. And you, if you lose your effectiveness and you're not focused on him and hungering and thirsting for God, you are like salt that falls to the ground because it has no purpose and other people walk on it. I want you to think about that analogy. Do you want your life to be some, a life that other people just walk over top of? Think about it. Let's pray. Father, we're getting ready to come to your table.
And Father, we're going to have a very brief invitation before we extend the, uh, the offering for the table today. But we just pray that you'll move in our lives. And Lord, if we need to come and confess sin, help us to do that. Help us to be clean and holy vessels. You told us to think of nothing else but remember you and not to partake of the table in an unworthy fashion. So, Lord, if we're feeling unworthy right now, Lord, let us come to you and seek your forgiveness, and you will give it to us. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.